Today is December 20th, 2023. This is the Blockchain Journal Podcast. I'm your host, David Berlin. And today, our guest is Pat White. He is the CEO and co-founder of Bitwave. Pat, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. It is a pleasure to be here, David. Thank you so much for having me. Always a, always a pleasure to chat with you. Right. Well, the last time we met, you were at Consensus running a side event in Austin, Texas, and I wandered in and we got a chance to talk and I interviewed you. We'll put a link to that video here. And uh, you taught me a little bit about this problem where a lot of companies are running this like out of band contemporary contemporaneous set of books to keep track of what's going on with all of their crypto flows, tying them to invoices, all sorts of things, because the traditional accounting systems have no way of doing that. They just don't understand crypto. I think one of the problems you described to me was just the, the number of decimal just places. The de- just the decimal points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just com- completely foreign. And so, um, and, and since then, quite frankly, I've interviewed, done a few other interviews with companies that do something similar to what you do. And I started to get a bigger idea of the uh, of the problem that you address and why it's so critical because it's very difficult if a company's keeping two sets of books. But I'm going to stop there and let you kind of describe exactly what Bitwave's unique value proposition is. Absolutely, yeah, David. So, so Bitwave is a uh, you know it's the the number one digital asset finance platform. What that means is that you know the day that you as a business decide to bring digital assets onto your books, you have a whole bunch of problems that just popped up. So the first and foremost is what you just mentioned: the, the traditional accounting systems are not designed to handle crypto, uh, and that could be because of uh, you know decimal points. It's also because of how they do how you do valuations. Crypto falls under some very specific uh, FASB rules, and this is accounting rules in the U.S and rules outside the U.S. that uh, most accounting systems just don't have baked into it. So that's that's already a big challenge is the accounting rule side of it. But then beyond that, there's things like decimal points. There's things like uh, inventory tracking. Every time you spend crypto, if I send you one ETH today, that's a taxable event and it's a gain-loss event from an accounting perspective. Crypt, uh, you know, most accounting systems are not designed to handle that sort of thing. So even like I, I, you know, I talked, I was at Sweet World this year and we talked to the NetSuite guys and they're like, guys, we're going to be able to handle crypto. We're adding... You know, we're going to be able to go up to uh, 10 decimal points. And I'm like, first of all, that's not even enough for most of the, uh, <laughs> the, the currencies that are out there. But second of all, like, it's not just about decimal points. And it's funny because part of why they were increasing decimal points was it wasn't even just tied to crypto. They had issues with inventory where pharmaceutical companies need to have inventory in the micro micrograms or nanograms of, uh, of inventory for uh, pharmaceuticals. And so they were they were like, look at this holistically of like, well, you know, we'll solve this once. But but crypto is is much, much, much more complicated to actually handle on your on your books, obviously. Uh, And that's where Bitwave comes in. So in addition to like the problems of accounting, tax, and all that, there's also problems around financial operations, FP&A, how you're paying bills. If you if you owe debt, if you owe people money in crypto, if you get paid in crypto, how you pay those bills in crypto, how you get paid in crypto, all that stuff is is all part of the exact same problem. And none of it is easy to do in QuickBooks or NetSuite or any of those systems. And that's what Bitwave does is we just bridge the gap between your traditional financial systems and uh, the blockchain and crypto world. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've since come to appreciate that when you look at all those different financial systems out there, something like a NetSuite, they cover more than just like the ins and outs of you know, in, in and outflows of actual currencies. They cover everything like inventory, customer invoicing, all, all, this whole gamut of, of financials where the 
in and outflows of currency are actually kind of integrated into all of that. And so when you suddenly introduce crypto, none of that really plugs into the existing financials, the whole suite, if you will, uh, very easily. And it seemed like that you bridged that gap. Is is net? What are the different back end financial systems? You know, because a lot of people out there already have these financial systems in place. So, which are the different ones that you work with in a way that people can just go get Bitwave and plug it in? Yeah, we work out of the box with QuickBooks, Zero, NetSuite, Sage Intact, SAP, Workday, Dynamics three sixty five. Uh, I think that's it. There might be a couple others here and there that we do uh, exports for. Uh, but that's, I mean, we work with pretty much any of the, the big ERPs that are out there because it runs the gamut. I mean, you see everything from, you know, Nike uh, all the way, Nike all the way down to small mom and pop shops are all using crypto and they all have different ERP requirements. And so we, we tend to work with all of them. You know, as you get to the more sophisticated ones, you can do more sophisticated stuff. You can, you can track inventory in NetSuite. And so we can, we can actually flow through some of our inventory details into NetSuite to make it possible. You can add custom, in, you can add custom currencies and stuff like that. So certainly as you get to the more advanced ERPs, you can, even with Bitwave, you can do more advanced stuff. Uh, but we we work perfectly well with something like QuickBooks or Zero as well. Now, let's say you're a company that doesn't have an existing ERP system. Can I get Bitwave, and will it do all of the things that those other systems do in addition to handling all of the crypto in and outflows? Um, you know, we have a few people using Bitwave as as their full ERP. Uh, the problem is that you know we it's just not designed to really be. That's not really the space that we're trying to play in. You know, it's you mm -hmm. look at Netsuite. Netsuite's a thirty year old product. It has modules for every single thing you could possibly imagine. Uh, deferred revenue modules, depreciation tracking modules for tracking depreciation on on uh, heavy uh, heavy machinery. You know, we don't we don't try to be. And in fact, it's sort of our philosophy is we're not trying to replace Netsuite. Like you already, most of our customers have bank accounts. Most of our customers have USD payroll. We don't we don't want to do those things. That's not our business. Like we're not here to to supplant uh, Netsuite. We're here to basically bridge mm -hmm. a gap between digital assets and and uh, and the, your ERP. So what we find is that people who are trying to do everything tend to do none of them particularly well. Like it is hard enough to build a general a, a ledger like we're building for digital assets is hard enough without also trying to build every single other feature that Netsuite has built over the last thirty years. So it is it's a it's right. it's an interesting time in the market, but we we tend to want to complement those systems and and sort of like let them do what they do let them run balance sheets let them run pnl reports all that kind of stuff and then we do the hard the heavy lifting around digital assets right now you keep bringing up netsuite is that your biggest partner the, the most number of customers that you have are using netsuite or is it evenly divided Say, across quick, the others books and netsuite are the two biggest uh partners that we work mm -hmm. with yeah absolutely absolutely and it just scales you know smaller companies are using quickbooks larger companies are using netsuite and then we're seeing you know as as the crypto industry is maturing you see more and more folks moving over from uh, quickbooks to netsuite so and this is something that we it's it's another funny part about this is that we've kind of built our product so that we we are we can fully support someone and having two ERPs connected and then like slowly moving from QuickBooks to NetSuite and all of that. I mean, it's a really interesting, it's an interesting industry and in how fast it's grown up and, and uh, the expectations of the industry are, are very, you know, you know, sort of like immature in their, uh, in their maturity rating of, of being enterprise software consumers, I guess is a good way to put it. So they, uh, they're still getting their feet under what like NetSuite versus QuickBooks and why you pay for one or the other.
Now, you talked about rules and regulations, FASB. You talked about the idea that the minute you take a delivery of a Bitcoin or an ETH, uh, it's a taxable event. I assume there you're referring to the fact that you've got a lot of volatility in that currency compared to regular fiat currencies, such as the U.S. dollar or the euro. And so when you have that volatility, the minute you take delivery of a, any form of crypto, it's going to ch- the value of that's going to relative to the U.S. dollar or to other fiat currencies is going to change almost instantaneously. And then it, that's where you start to end up with a, ta- a serious taxable event that needs to be kept well- track of. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, cer- certainly that's a that's an aspect of it. So certainly an aspect of it is this idea that there's high volatility. But the bigger issue is just it is it's what crypto is. Crypto is not a currency. So if if I give you one euro <laughs> right now, you and then you give someone else that one euro, um, you technically picked up a accounting gain loss because the price of of that might have changed over time but you would not generally have picked up a and this is not tax advice you would not generally have picked up a taxable event certainly not on a on a lot level basis like you don't have to say you don't have to track pat gave me one euro i gave one euro to bob you know when pat gave it to me euros were at 85 cents when bob when i gave to bob was 86 cents so i made one penny on that transaction you don't Mm -hmm. have to do that with forex that's not and that's you know netsuite quickbooks all those when they have forex that's what they're designed to do with uh with crypto it is a it's treated as a intangible long-lived asset but even with the fair value from a it is treated as a lot level inventoried item so it is something like when mm. i give you that one eth you have to track that one eth as a lot and when you give that one eth to bob whatever i gave it to you and then whatever you gave it to him the delta between there is it's an accounting gain loss that hits your books right. and is a taxable gain loss that you report to the IRS. So it's just, is that much more complicated than because you have to do lot level tracking of each of the assets you're getting? It's that much more complicated a, uh, uh, from an accounting and tax perspective. Okay. Well, so essentially one of the big reasons that you'd want to go with a solution like Bitwave is just purely for compliance. Like it's probably relatively impossible to comply with some of those rules and regulations unless you have something like a Bitwave type solution to help you keep track of it all and eventually respond to an audit or something like that if you end up in in one of those. And of course, I don't know if you know this, I know you guys just did a partnership with Deloitte, but I just had a, uh, I just did an interview with Rob Massey, who's runs the tax practice as a part of the larger uh, uh, blockchain operation at Deloitte. And he's pointing out that uh, in the 2024, the IRS is going to take a much more increased interest in all enterprise uh, usage of cryptocurrency. Yep, it's absolutely true. So, yeah, if you're not using Bitwave, you are in for a world of hurt. I mean, we've gone through audits with all the big four, audits from all the all the various tax agencies in the world. You know, compliance is mm-hmm. is a huge component of of why you why you need to use Bitwave. And that's it's uh it's a big it's built into our DNA basically from day one. I mean, we've been our our first year we were out, we did a we did a PwC audit with one of our biggest customers. I mean, it's been what we do every every day. So that's, you know, whether you're public, whether you want to go public, whether you're just getting audited for your for your investors it's a really important part of uh of you know Mm -hmm. using bitwave is an absolutely critical part if you're using digital assets okay well let's go back to what i just talked about this partnership with deloitte since the last time we spoke i saw some news come out i didn't get a chance to study it very closely so what did you guys uh, partner on 
Yeah, so our partnership with Deloitte is incredibly exciting. So as part of it, we are we we have kind of like three or four different thrusts of it. You know, first and foremost, uh, God, we keep coming back to NetSuite here. It's kind of a funny thing to talk about. So uh, <laughs> Deloitte does have a very large NetSuite implementation practice. So one of the great parts about this is that is that anytime uh, Deloitte is doing a NetSuite implementation, if their customer they're implementing uh, has digital assets, they are in a position to implement Bitwave and help that customer use Bitwave. So that's that's really fun. Is actually Deloitte as an implementer. Uh, we're partnering them on, on webinars and marketing content. So we've been able to do a lot of webinars. Just last week, we did a webinar all about indirect tax. So this is sort of like one of the things that's going to be really, really big in 2024 is all the NFT companies that you know and love, OpenSea, Magic Eden, like you name it, they are all going to be in this position where uh, tax agencies are going to start getting serious about uh, indirect tax. So you have, you have, there's two types of tax in the world. There's direct tax, which is, you know, I, uh, I make money and then I pay my tax on it. Indirect tax is sales tax, VAT, those types of things. So that's a, a, a transaction happens on my platform or a transaction happens in my store. And based on that transaction, I need to now send tax up to the, uh, to the IRS. So what's happening is there's a, there's a renewed focus on, uh, on whether or not, someone like OpenSea is going to need to pay an indirect tax on their on the 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 sales that are happy on their platform. And so we work with uh, uh, Deloitte on that, where we we provide technology, they provide uh, guidance and consulting and advice on on whether you should be paying your taxes on that or not. Uh, we provide really robust support. We have a great you know, with Rob, we have a great uh, partnership where Bitwave has uh, incredibly deep support for very complex uh, different types of tax treatments. So there's a lot of ambiguity right now on on your tax treatments for crypto. Whether you can do specific identification, which people know and love. That's like you know, I I, I want to take a loss today, or I want to take a gain today to offset some other loss I took. So this is the idea of that. Uh, you know, with Bitwave, you can actually create really complex tax strategies. One of our customers is saving hundreds of millions of dollars a year by using kind wow. of our tax, and and this is like with a partnership with with uh, with uh, Deloitte is is saving a lot of money, uh, basically based on a combination of guidance and technology. So it's really exciting. I mean, we love we love working with them. We're able to do marketing webinars. We're able to co-develop features. We get to pick their brain. You know, when we have a when we have an interesting problem come up, we give them a call and we pick their brain on it. It's a it's a fun time right now. Well, I, I think what you're getting at, too, is the shifting regulatory landscape. Things keep changing. Uh, the different uh, parties that are involved, government organizations, the IRS, regulators, the SEC, et cetera, it, it seems like n not a week goes by where they don't decide to get more involved in the yep. world of cryptocurrency. And <laughs> yeah. th that probably causes a bunch of headaches for the people who run these businesses because uh, they can't it's not nailed down and they have to pay close attention to that. So it kind of probably helps well, when you've got companies like Bitwave or Deloitte. Yeah. yeah. It's why we're still seeing uh, issues in the U S around adoption is that businesses mm -hmm. are just not, comfortable with a regulatory environment they're not comfortable with elizabeth warren going out every week and 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 saying that you know cryptocurrency is is the the worst thing in the world um it's <laughs> it, there is a air of and it's one of those funny things like i i like elizabeth warren i just i wish she had 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 worried about a lot of the other scams that are happening out there uh rather than 
than the scams in the crypto world. Um, it's one of those things that like there's there's increased focus. So you really want people like Bitwave and Deloitte in your corner. You know, when you when you are about to to have the eye of Sauron on you from an IRS audit or whatever it is, you know, having someone that's walked you through it that you have you have a bunch of records, contemporaneous records, all that kind of stuff ready to go is uh, is really really critical. So yeah, it's it's yeah, uh, I, we are all. I don't hoping... want the eye of Sauron on me for anything, by the way. <laughs> quite frankly, I mean, we're all hoping that over the next like twelve months, the U.S. really gets its act together. But we were all saying that at the end of twenty twenty two. So now at the end of twenty twenty three, we're saying it also. Yeah. You... Uh, I, I don't know if they ever you took will. the words out of my you took the words out of my <laughs> mouth because I was like I, I think I heard that thing a year ago and I heard it the year before that and yeah. uh, what's interesting I think is is that when you look at especially American firms uh, you're right there's a hesitance to work with blockchain cryptocurrency however where there is regulatory certainty uh, taking shape in other jurisdictions I'm talking about places like Singapore India uh, Germany All which is the EU. like even you know, there's yeah. more. Yeah, the, the EU, UK, uh, Luxembourg, uh, Switzerland. Um, you actually see some of those American companies setting up camp there where there is that regulatory certainty. That that by itself, to me, I think should be a message to lawmakers. Hey, look, the train's leaving the station. These companies are going to invest in blockchain, whether you like it or not. But if you want them to go do it somewhere else, they will. And then... Where do we end up? The U.S. is no longer the leader in, in technology the way it used to be. So it's kind of a scary time. It's, it's a catch-22, unfortunately, which is that the U.S. The US has the most to lose from cryptocurrency. Like the U.S. has the, the largest financial services industry in the world is in the U.S. I think by, mm -hmm. I think, I think by overall percentage of GDP, it's maybe uh, England or the U.K., but in, in terms of like the overall size. So like the U.S. has the most to lose by a technology that fundamentally looks to disintermediate financial services companies and, and, uh, and change the nature of financial services. Um, but at the same time, you know, nothing gets nothing gets U.S. regulators regulators moving faster than hearing that, you know, someone's thinking about moving to Hong Kong. Like you start talking about China <laughs> and you get real interest from regulators real quick. So I think that there's these, there's these tensions of like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of inertia. There's a lot of money paid uh, by lobbyists to to Congress people from the financial services industry. But at the same time, boy, do we not like getting out competed by China. So. Well, I don't know. You talk to Jamie Dimon, and for the longest time, I thought, okay, this guy's completely anti-crypto. And then suddenly, you have things like JPM Coin and Onyx, all these uh, things where they're actually leveraging the technology for some of its strengths, like you know, faster settlement, uh, yep. cheaper financial transfers, that sort of thing. Now, I mean, just speaking of the certainty that's taking shape in other parts of the world, do you have a lot of international customers, or are they all based here in the U.S.? No, tons of international customers from Singapore through the UK and and pretty much everywhere in between. Uh, it is, it is one of the the happy side effects of crypto of Bitwave is that we've been around so long that we've, you know, we've had so many different customers that have asked us for so many different ways of treating crypto that our our system was built incredibly flexibly from day one so that we can kind of work with any different jurisdiction that gets thrown at us. So we work in Canada where they do cost averaging, and Singapore where they have. Uh, or like South America or South Africa, where they have a different long term versus short term. They have, you know, uh, it's three years for the, the break between instead of one year. Uh, so we work in, in many, many different jurisdictions. We fall, we fall under IFRS. We have, you know, the ability to, to follow IFRS rules, GAAP rules, U.S. GAAP rules, U.S. GAAP rules from 2023, which is before the FASB, you, uh, the FASB uh, notice, U.S. rules after 2023, which is now with the FASB. 
it's a it's a incredibly complex support structure. Like there's a lot of stuff you need to do, but it is really fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, well, I, again, you keep talking about how a lot of this stuff is baked into the solution. So just complying with these constantly changing laws and regulations, if you're using the right solutions, it'll sort of be automated for you. You don't have to think too hard about it or Almost. keep track of it yourself. And I think that's. Yeah. Almost. That's that's still why we yeah, with sure. Deloitte, though, is because there's still, you know, let's the new FASB guidance is a great example of where, you know, we can bake in ninety-five percent of the of the technology, but the the way the new FASB guidance works is there's actually some ambiguity left in what you are allowed to fair value versus what you're not allowed to fair value. Mm-hmm. So that is to say that, you know, they've there's sort of general agreements that that ETH, Bitcoin, some of these like let's say these L one tokens, you can do this fair value accounting treatment on. There is not guidance if, and it's in fact it, it depends. Like you take something like Uni, the Uni token, uh, you holding Uni token might have might you might be able to get away with doing fair value, but Uniswap itself holding Uni token, you are not allowed to do it if it's your own governance token. So like you I you see. need an advisor who will actually tell you like okay for these three tokens you do fair value for these three tokens you do uh, impairment model like as you, an intangible asset treatment like you've been doing, and then you need something like Bitwave that you need you need Bitwave because we can actually have one view that supports you know three tokens treated this way, three tokens treated this way, all, and everything in between there. So it is that great one-two punch of, of our partnership with our the, the big four out there. Makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, last thing I want to talk about is another announcement you had was the acquisition of a company called Gilded, I believe. Yeah. So what was that about? So Gilded, uh, it was they've been in the market as long as us, and they, uh, in, which is a fun way. We met them back in 2018. They were more focused on the payment side. So we we came out day one, always focused on accounting, tax, and sort of general enterprise problems. That's what Bitwave does. Is we we help enterprises use digital assets. Uh, they were more focused on payments. So they were focused on invoicing, you know, paying people. How do you move money between folks? All that kind of stuff. And so they, you know, we saw them as a as a great opportunity to expand our footprint in the payment space. Uh, basically, support more payment models uh we you know it was uh we were able to get some engineers from it some customers and then and then a a solid footing for uh uh you know complementing our payments products which theirs is a little bit more down market focus on like in you know focus on smaller companies picking up bills and paying them we have a, we have a payments product called uh, enterprise payments which is used by coinbase it's 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 used for very serious businesses that have really complex mm-hmm. workflows they integrate between netsuite and coupa and all these different payments products so we kind of have this like range of kind of like down market up market really complex really customizable and uh, and everything in between it's uh, and then cover- we got some great engineers <laughs> when you cover oh, it was a good uh, aqua hire then right you got everything yeah right so so when you think about that that coverage down market between down market and up market you're seeing some trends and so uh before we hang up here i just want to uh, get an idea of what trends you're seeing. I, you know, one of the things that I see, for example, in the market, we do a lot of research here at Blockchain Journal, and we see that the number one use case for blockchain across the enterprises, quite, quite frankly, it, was, it came as a surprise to us, is actually NFT-based customer loyalty and engagement. Yeah, with it's, uh, it's act- NFT activations from enterprises yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah, and and then with, with a, a somewhat of a distant second, but still second place, is payments. Yep. Um, and, and a lot, a lot of those companies are um, using, actually leveraging BitPay to do the actual payments itself. Um, not necessarily keep track of them, but 
you see quite a bit, like in the retail space, you see like a lot of well-known brands like saying, okay, yeah. we're going to let people pay with crypto either online in their e-commerce or uh, in their brick-and-mortar locations. Uh, what are you seeing? Is that picking up at all or is it sort of flat until we see the regulatory landscape kind of really kind of get nailed down? Well, NF NFT activations is absolutely a thing. It's still happening. I think Cadillac released one recently, one of the, one of the car, U.S. car manufacturers. Um, so you're absolutely seeing that happening across the board. You know, I don't, I don't tend to think of companies using BitPay to as a adopter of crypto. That might be a silly thing to say. I think they are a future adopter of crypto. But the way BitPay tends to work is you tend to off ramp the crypto right away. So BitPay is in fact a way to accept crypto without without actually engaging with the community, which is sort of interesting because at the end of the day, like you know, value from using crypto for payments comes from taking out the middleman. And so if you go from the middleman being Visa to the middleman being BitPay, and this isn't anything as BitPay, but they have a great team. We like them. We work with them on a few things. Um, but they charge you BIPs on your on that conversion. So you get crypto in, and then they, they they basically take a spread when they convert that back to USD. If, you're, if you are looking at, at sort of, you know, if you are Walmart, and you are saying, uh, how do I squeeze another 2% or another 1% out of my margins? The way you do that is you take crypto and you you house it yourself. You basically hold on to it. You take USDC, you hold on to it yourself. You don't have any middlemen. So you cut out Visa. You cut out uh, any any sort of intermediary sellers. So we see that on that side. I, I'm not, uh, we are not seeing heavy pickup of that retail use case. But we're seeing a much heavier pickup of the B2B use case. So the B2B use case is a much easier one because it's, it's lower volume. It is easier to onboard. Like you're onboarding, you're not onboarding, uh, you know, you're not onboarding your grandma to crypto. You're onboarding a sophisticated financial person at an AP, at the AP team at another company to crypto. It is a lot easier to do that. And then you can start to cut, you can get, you know, instant settlement. It's sort of like 10 times faster settlement, 10 times cheaper, you know, instant settlement for pennies to send billions of dollars around the world. So those, those are the big trends that we're seeing. You know, staking is a big trend right now as well. So more and more folks that have crypto on their books are, are putting it to work and staking. So it's, it's the crypto version of a, of a bank account. I think we went through the phase when the crypto version of a bank account was like block fee. That didn't work out so well. A uh, lot, of, lot of money lost. But now the crypto version of the bank account is, is taking money and putting it into staking, uh, staking nodes. And that's working out very well because you can get, you know, 4% yield on that. That's less than interest rates right, right now, but you end up keeping mm -hmm. your exposure to the asset so it's a nice part is you you keep exposure to ethereum but then you also get a four percent you know yield on it so it's we're seeing staking as a big play right now okay well thank you for that and uh pat i hope that maybe we get a chance to catch up again maybe you'll be a consensus in austin so thank you very much for joining me here on the blockchain journal podcast david my pleasure thanks so much for having me buddy We've been speaking with Pat White. He is the CEO and co-founder of Bitwave. All the contact information for him on the social networks, Twitter uh, or X, if you want to call it that, and LinkedIn will be uh, displayed on the at the end of this video, as well as my contact information. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Blockchain Journal podcast. Again, I'm your host, David Berlin. And uh, please join us for more of our videos. You can find us on YouTube. And you can also just go to blockchainjournal.com and find all of our interviews right there. Thanks for joining us.